0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Good afternoon, my name is Jeanette Abney and I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for waking me up this morning even though I was having the worst headaches last night But that is okay because He still blessed me, woke me up so that I can see today I also want to thank my loyal listeners out there who have been joining in, calling in, listening to the show. I truly appreciate you, and if you have some topics that you would like for me to discuss or you would like to be a guest on the show, please feel free to call in and join me because I appreciate your feedback and putting information out there that individuals want to hear. Now, I know that many of you are tired of hearing about what's going on with this coronavirus and what the president is saying and not saying and what's happening and running to the store and can't find no toilet tissue like I did today. And it was interesting because I was told that I got there too late. But I'm still not going to give up. I ran totally out, but it's getting to that point. But I'm going to be okay. So with all of that's going on and even in the stores with our shelves being bare, a lot of individuals are resorting back to alcohol and drugs. Now, many of you that know me personally know that I am the owner of an outpatient counseling center in Orange County with three locations called the Center for the Treatment of Addiction. Now, I provide drug and alcohol services for Prop 36, PC-1000, and a lot of different other things. But what I'm finding is individuals are having difficulties with staying sober, especially during these difficult times. Now, with I'm going to repeat what I wrote, and it says with all that's going on all over the world, there are many individuals that are also struggling with addiction to drugs and alcohol. Many are in treatment already, as others may be struggling with their sobriety. And yes, we know that there are those that are just not ready. And I want to say yet, because we learn that drugs and alcohol is secondary to a primary issue because it's not going to change anything. Now, we know that addiction is a disease and staying sober or becoming sober takes support. As many are dealing with stress and triggers, today's show, we will be providing tips, resources, educating individuals as to how to stay sober during these difficult times. So my callers, some of them are already on the line, so let me lock them on and see what the people have to say. Good afternoon. This is Jeanette Abney. Welcome to Precious Predicaments, number ending in 6-8, and thank you for being the first one on even before me. How are you doing?
2: Hey. Hello, hello, that Jeanette. Is- uh, it's good to be here. I'm way busy in California, and I'm doing wonderful, wonderful.
1: Good job, way busy. Now, when we talk about staying sober during difficult times, what is your take on that? Because, like I said, I'm finding that you can't find bread, you can't find water, you can't find toilet tissue, but there's a, sure <laughs> lot, there's a lot of alcohol in the store. You know, I can't say that there's good or bad. People are buying it, not buying it. But I'm more concerned about individuals that are struggling with addiction. What is your take on that?
2: Well, I I have to admit I agree with what you said earlier about um, the underlying issues that are uh that that we're that we're going for here, um, those are those are bad habits. A lot of these True. people have developed a lot of bad habits, and so those are knee-jerk responses to things that they develop. And mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be a need, there's going to be a need to to retrain their hypothalamus gland, where that knee-jerk response place is, and start developing some good habits. And I think it's going to take a little bit of effort, and they're going to have to apply themselves and be dedicated to what they're doing because we're talking about their future.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. And it's really sad because, you know, a lot of the times when individuals, we talk about addiction, and I'm looking at some of the things, from am going to my Facebook, and one of them I saw it said, keep calm and stay sober. You know, we know that some individuals are just not ready yet. We get that. But by that same token, People trying to maintain their sobriety Let me log on the other caller Because we got somebody else on hold sure. Hi, this is Jeanette Number ended in 3-3 three, three. Welcome to Purchase Predicaments How are you doing?
3: Good morning, I'm doing fantastic
1: You're doing fantastic Repeat what you just said I'm doing,
3: doing fantastic This, morning, uh, this afternoon
1: Okay, because I was like I know she didn't <laughs> just call me a pastor I'm like, what did she just say? Okay, so I have a question for you because I know your voice. How are you maintaining your sobriety?
3: How am I maintaining my sobriety? I am organ um, organizing my home. I am getting myself um, studied up in the Word of God and... Um, I am surrounding myself with Christian music and um focusing on this is only temporary, and this higher power, our God that we serve, has the complete solution to this temporary problem that we have and i am i I am remaining sober i am getting a lot of rest that I so desperately needed. I didn't realize I was on complete exhaust, I mean Mm -hmm. exhaustion. And um, God just allowed this to slow me down.
1: Yeah.
3: And some people are considering it's just
1: a timeout. Let me see. We have another caller on the line. Let me give this, click this caller on. Hi, this is Jeanette, number N -N -N 6 How are you doing?
0: Good. Better.
1: I know your voice, too. And you know what? I want to say that this caller just called on is one that kind of sparked me and made me think about this. And, um, you know, we haven't heard your voice in a long time, so that lets me know. You've been not doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you know I love you anyway, right?
0: Right. Number right.
1: Now, you sent me a message yesterday, and it touched my heart. And I apologize for not getting a chance to call you back because, you know, we got way busy on the line, but my schedule, I just really be busy. But you said <laughs> something that got me, and I, and I want to tell you this. When I saw it and what you said, I commend you for that because that could have saved you from a possible overdose.
3: And that's what made yeah. me think
1: about this in regards to how are people surviving this and maintaining their sobriety. Now, you could tell them your name. I'm not gonna throw you under the bus, but what's that's going on? That's
0: and fine. What I want people to know that they they can never say I can't stop because even in the deepest darkest secrets you'll you can get help or you can fight it like me i i I chose god god has always been there for me through everything and i want other people to know that it's okay that you'll you'll you know you may have a slip up but if you come back you know praise god yeah, what made you um, What made you
1: contact me? Because I was like looking at that, like, oh my
0: gosh! I like I say, you know, God tells me who's who. Not you know, I don't know because I know you know, and um, I did two different drugs last month. I did heroin, and that was stupid, and I. Gave all you know, I gave it to my. I, I prayed first, and I go, God, I can't take this anymore, you know. And um, I was like, I, at the time, I I only had heroin, but I had like a twenty left, and I gave it to my mom. gave all, her all the rigs, gave her the 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 pipes for meth that I had because I i am been using uh meth for about a year now, and I can't do it. I can't. I want to get better. Top of the fact that, and I find out later today. I mean, I may um, have a child. <laughs> you, know? you may have so, a- You know. Yeah, I may be pregnant. I, I gotta go and find out because I know through a stroke you can have um, early menopause. But my stomach's getting bigger. <laughs> So I think I am, but I don't know. And that is my number one thing. You know what? God knew. He he knows what's going to happen. And I pray to him all the time. And heroin, I mean, it was crappy heroin, but I still got high off of it. But, I mean, if it was anything like the meth, I I could easily overdose.
1: Yeah. And you know what's crazy? If people go back and listen to these shows when you first called in probably about a year ago, you could barely talk. Your speech was so – I knew your voice, but it was like from that stroke and all that you've been through – and then trying to maintain your sobriety, trying to stay sober with all the stressors. Now, I want to give the listeners something out there because, like I said, you've come a mighty long way. And I'm glad you gave that to your mother because I was thinking to myself, I said, she could have overdosed. And I was like, wow. Now, when we talk yeah. about managing triggers, and this is coming from org it is important to recognize situations that triggers cravings for drugs and alcohol, you know, and not only just drug and alcohol, we talk about any, any type of addiction, because there's a lot of addiction out there. You know, I've got friends out there that's a that are, that are used to gambling and going to casinos. And at first I was so mad when I learned that the casinos were shutting down. I was like, you know what? I got to find something else to do. But, Addiction is real and cravings are real, and see there are now things that can lead to relapse. But you have to keep a list of triggers so you can avoid them and cope in healthy ways to maintain a sober lifestyle. So even though you know we're flooded with the media, we're flooded with the news, we're looking at all these individuals testing positive. You know, people wanting to come over your house, and you're like, wait a minute, now I don't know if I want you coming on, Miles. I don't know if you got that coronavirus or something. You know, but we have to make sure that we do maintain our sobriety. Now, here's some information when you're talking about your list, stress and life challenges. Make a list of that so that these things don't bother you. People who used drugs and alcohol with you in the past were using now, meaning don't connect or call your old connect because you're getting scared. Homes, workplaces. You notice some bars and schools are closed. Um, neighborhoods where you used yes. to go. Don't. No, we're not even supposed to be going out, so we shouldn't be going to places anyway. And situations are feelings yes. that you like, the um, like you experience when you used to use drugs and alcohol, and traumatic experiences. These are some of the things that can happen to individuals because, you know, a lot of individuals are afraid of being alone. A lot of individuals don't like staying in the house. It's driving them crazy. Their kids are driving them crazy. But we still have to maintain our sobriety. Because there's a lot going on. Now I'm going to ask you, Way Busy, because I know it's quite a few of us on the line right now. But Way Busy, what are some of the things in regards to we talking about sober and being sober minded? What would you like the listeners to know?
2: I would, I would, I would like to say uh, contribute to the conversation um, with taking time to see yourself clearly. It takes time to clear up everything so that you can have, have a place where you could actually do what you're, what you, what you know, you do what you do because this is what matters most to you. And it sounds like she's doing the thing I was just saying earlier <laughs> by developing some good habits, you know? And when we start developing good habits, it makes us feel better, you know? And when you're enjoying your feelings, right, that's a good thing. But let's just say that somebody said something or somebody's doing something or whatever and causes you to, your feelings to get a little bit powerful at the moment, you know, and and that's a time that you can learn something about examining your feelings in light of truth, which is underneath your feelings where you are. You are not your feelings. You are underneath your feelings, what you think, what you say, and what you do. And this is the wellspring of life right here. So you can do this. You can do this by, you know, hanging out with people that are going to help you. That's um, that's what we do. We help other people. We have to be listening and see where they are. And when you can see yourself clearly, then you can see where this person is to help them. A lot of people can't see themselves, and therefore they're not not yeah. helping anybody.
1: And you know, and the thing is, and, and I think what may have triggered the caller is when she says she might be pregnant. And I know she don't want to bring another child in this world with and being under the influence because many individuals may not realize it, but even times like this, CPS is still working. And when individuals test positive during pregnancy or they use it, it it causes so many problems to children that – a lot of parents don't even realize it, and a lot of I've heard kids get angry with their parents, saying that my parents chose drugs over me. And it's not that they chose drugs over you, because like I said, addiction is a disease. Staying sober takes support. We gotta learn how to deal with stress and triggers. We have to know and believe that other individuals have recovered. Master our mind. Get into our bodies and unlock creativity, and we have to make a date with ourselves, meaning we got to get to know ourselves and find out what it is that we like. And some of the common challenges that comes with addiction that individuals face, because, like I said, we have those that are in recovery now, some that have, you know, just completed programs, some that have they live and die off by going to AA or NA meetings, and now they don't have the ability to do so. Some are living in sober living homes which by living in a sober living home they have the ability to still connect and get that support. Um, one of the things not only just with the AA and AIDS, a lot of individuals were attending Celebrate Recovery where they focus on hurts, habits and hang ups. But because of the coronavirus, they're not being able to congregate with individuals with more than ten people. So a lot of individuals are like stuck like, Well, what am I gonna do? You know I know I gotta set up some things to either try to do therapy or do telehealth or zoom or but just don't give up because some of the challenges individuals face are mental health issues um financial troubles, relationship problems, difficulties at either home or school, and some of these things happen to see and now that individuals are kind of stuck and don't know what to do. It's causing them to engage in a lot of self doubt now I'm going to ask I could say your name Nancy Nancy, what do you want to add to this conversation that we got going on
3: <clears throat> when it comes to um when it comes to sobriety and and the things part of my story was um i was I had lost my kids after I had um, was, I was, I was a product adult and, um, I didn't start using until after the fact of losing my children. And, um, I dove headfirst into, um, Jack Daniels was my best friend at the time and doing any type of drug I could get my hands on. Um, I go back to, to that day and I keep telling myself, you know, um, it's not going to be easy for me to get through this temporary situation, but I am going to make it and I will be able to get through the situation. Um I will um I, as I'm going through this temporary situation, I'm helping other people. They um I'm a great influence on their lives. I just keep checking on them. Are you okay? Are you drinking? Are you doing anything? If you are, put that down. Yesterday, I was talking with my boyfriend, and he goes, "You know, you have been a such, such an inspiration on my life. You've been with me for one year. You endured me drinking and and me losing losing all my tools for work, and you're still there. And you know, your your strength isn't isn't just from from the cultural aspect because I'm Native American. I in and, and there's a lot of alcoholism in Native Amer the Native American world and drugs um and I grew up in a home that was alcohol alcoholism and my uncle he was in the military for 21 years. He always said to me, "Excuses are for um, trying to keep it clean, but um all I can I excuses are for buttholes
2: and Mm -hmm. everybody's
3: got one. So why do you want to be an excuse? Don't give yourself an opportunity to make an excuse because you have so much to give to other people when you are sober and you're sober minded. That gives you strength to keep going. You don't focus on the problem that's temporary and then, Go and numb yourself and say, Okay, I'm done, I'm throwing my hands up, you know. Call call me when, when this show's done or send me a message because I have something for you. You talking and, to the um, other I person? just I'm talking to you, Miss Jeanette. Oh,
1: okay, gotcha. Okay. I can do that.
3: Okay, I'm done.
1: Oh, okay. No, I didn't know who you were talking to. You said call me after the show is done. I'm like, okay, what is she talking about? But, you know, no, what I'm the thing is, when we start talking about giving individuals tips, because, like I said, addiction is real. I know that individuals are struggling. I know that people are scared. I know that people's kids are getting on their nerves. I know that, you know, some individuals are being quarantined. I know that some individuals are testing positive. People that are in the healthcare industry like myself, some people are overworked, stressed out. You know, they want to take the edge off of things, but drugs and alcohol is not the solution, you know. And especially if individuals are newly in recovery, that's where it gets real scary, you know, because it's like you're fighting this addiction, and some individuals are thinking, you know, the courts are closed, I'm not going to get in trouble for a violation, you know, I'm not worried about probation coming to my house. But people are risking the, the their lives in regards to overdose. You know, some individuals say, well, I don't drink all the time. I tell individuals binge drinking is far more dangerous than drinking every day, you know, because individuals can die from alcohol poisoning, you know. And you could say, I'm just going to get high one more time, and that could be your last time because the caller that's on the air that you may be pregnant you know what we went through in the Huntington Beach office. You've seen and how long I've been doing the work that I do, and some individuals are not alive anymore, you know, and now that we're dealing with what we're dealing with, now it's giving individuals an excuse, like Nancy is saying, to want to go get high, but that's no excuse to numb yourself because if you numb yourself, you still go throw out, and then what? You still got to deal with the same situations. Now, I want to give the listeners seven tips for staying clean and sober, and this is coming from VeryWellMind.com. And it indicates if you stop drinking or quit your addictive behavior, you are and you're serious about being sober, you will want to do everything possible to avoid having a relapse. It may seem that you and a relapse is maybe the last thing you want to do, but the truth is they are very common for people new to recovery. And it is estimated that up to 80% of those who find long-term sobriety had at least one relapse during a, during a way. Some had many before they found lasting recovery. Now, even though your intentions may be good, but it may take more than willpower to avoid having an addiction relapse. Now, in some cases, it could sneak up on you, uh, but you got to recognize the warning signs, which are some of the things that we talked about. But I want to give you the seven tips that they indicate. Make some changes. Now, some of these changes were not made for us. I mean, what we didn't make, it was made for us, basically, by having to stay in the home, not being able to go to work. You know, I was telling my daughter, I got a text message from Verizon telling me my cell phone bill was $200 and something. I told my daughter, I said, look at this. They just don't have no mercy on folks. My daughter was like, well, these people want their money. You know, I saw a thing where someone they posted on um YouTube in Florida where the the African American guy was going off on the mayor because he felt that the mayor failed to do her job because people electricity was getting cut off. And it's like if you know people are not working and individuals are struggling trying to even pay their bills and feed their family, and people getting getting electricity cut off, even though they're saying, well, don't worry about it, don't do this, people are still afraid. I mean, I just went to Stater Brothers, and when I was at the store, the shelves were still empty. They did have eggs, which when I went to the store yesterday, I was doing a hallelujah dance when I saw some eggs. But yet I had to pay three ninety nine for a dozen of medium eggs. I'm like, for real? But I was so happy to see them eggs. I didn't know what to do. But I was talking to the lady at the store today, and I said, are you guys going to ever get some toilet tissue? She said, yeah, we get it. She said, but the people come in at 8 o'clock, and the first thing they do is run and grab all the toilet tissue. I said, oh, my God. You know, it's like a race for toilet tissue. So we just have to be mindful of some of these things when we're talking about making these changes. Another thing is when we talk about develop a structured schedule, even if you are at home, develop a schedule that's going to work for you and build healthy relationships. Now, I have another caller on the line. Let me log this person on because that's what we're doing today is building relationships. Hi, welcome to Precious Ridicaments, number ended in 69. How are you doing?
3: Good. How are you?
1: I am well. And you know what? Ms. Park says she still hasn't talked to you.
4: <laughs> well I tried When I tried calling there's no answer And there's no recording So I can't leave a voicemail And Sister Harris said she was going to give her my number But I'm, I, I'll try again today
1: Yeah because I talked to her today And she said that she is still looking for you Because for some reason you are her mind So as we're talking about building healthy relationships You're going to get in trouble If you don't connect with Ms. Parks Now <laughs> my question to you too Is because with all of this That's going on How are you staying sober during this difficult time?
4: I just, I remember all too well what it was like to drink. I mean, getting drunk now is not going to fix anything. It's not going to stop the coronavirus. And if anything, I lose my car, then i really be up a a hard road. And it just, to me, it's not worth it. I just have too many memories of what it was like when I was drinking. I don't want to, and they're kicking people out of jail anyway, so. I mean, it's like, it just, to me, there's nothing attractive about going back to that old lifestyle. I'm Mm -hmm. done with it. I've had enough to last me two lives. (laughs) Having a drink right now won't fix anything.
1: That is true. And you know what? And it's interesting you said that because as you were speaking, I want to say how individuals have different personalities, especially with the alcoholic, because, you know, people use alcohol for to socialize, you know, to grieve, to No matter what's going on in a person's life, they can always find a reason to go get uh, have a drink or want to smoke some weed. Now, what yeah. people don't realize that their personality changes. You have the angry, violent drunk. You got the happy drunk, the promiscuous drunk, the depressed drunk. You know, we, you got all them different personalities, and. It's no secret that many alcoholics and addicts have trouble dealing with anger. Anger is one of them because if you're already mad or you're already depressed, alcohol ain't gonna do nothing but make you more depressed. And even though we know anger is a normal. And natural emotion, but there are many substance abuse problems that they have difficulty managing and expressing their angry anger appropriately when they under the influence. And you know, Thea, just your personality, I would I, I would hate for the world to have to see that again. You know. Yeah, so, I know. See, that's
4: what I was. That's what I was thinking when you were saying that. I was all that, you know. But when I was doing drugs, I was more promiscuous than anything because when I was drinking, I was pretty much untouchable. I just didn't feel, well, you know, I didn't really feel it like that. There had to be drugs mixed in with my alcohol in order for me to want to be with somebody but it never lasted. I always became that mean and vicious drunk. No matter what mode, I turn it, I become, when I first got my little buzz going, I was like polysocial. I want to go mingle and hang out around people. But it was always a switch that flipped, and I became that mean, violent person. So it just, it never stayed good for me. It always ended in me falling out with somebody or ending up in jail. It never stayed good. <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny because we got these, these females on the phone and we got way busy on the phone. I know way busy probably like, wow. <laughs> that don't sound quite fun. You know, you get these women out and they get to drinking and they want to beat you up because, yeah, I I I know who these, these women on the phone are. Okay, way busy. Any comments
2: yeah. from a male's perspective? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah. <clears throat> Well, I take I take a little different this. I look at it like um, people are projecting hated parts of themselves
0: uh-huh. onto the people that
2: are close on the people that are closest to them. And so the people that are dealing with this with this uh projecting hated parts of themselves onto you need to have someone to communicate with that's been through these situations so that they can help the person who's doing that. Now, This is a bunch of stuff I'm talking about, which doesn't – it takes a long time to work through all this stuff. But I think that um, people need space, you know. They need space, you know, because it takes time to to settle down underneath your feelings. And I think that the space that we can provide for people is a safe environment where people can – Open themselves up without the threat of being controlled or manipulated or exploited for mm-hmm. having feelings about it. So mm-hmm. I think that these kind of places need to be set up so that people can get some help. We don't have to be in the room together, but we are right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and so you know what? And that is true. And that's part of the problem right now is because individuals are being told to stay at home and they are losing this connection and they're getting scared because they don't know what to do because of their feelings and their emotions and trying to stay sober during these difficult times because they don't know what to expect. And it goes back to what Nancy was saying before, and sometimes people try to numb themselves, and then as you're trying to numb yourself, that's not going to solve this situation. Like even with said, alcohol ain't going to stop no coronavirus. You know, where other people may say, Well at least I'm feeling good or at least I'm not dealing with it. You know, alcohol ain't gonna make you fool when you know that chicken is five dollars or stuff is overpriced and you can't find no eggs and and all this other mess. So it's not going to fix anything. Now when and if you're trying to maintain a sober lifestyle, a lot of times individuals when they if they do relapse, they start dealing with the shame and the guilt. And they can put themselves back in toxic situations. And shame is described as having negative beliefs about yourself and your self-worth, and guilt is having negative feelings about your past behavior. And individuals in recovery can experience a lot of shame and guilt for having become addicted in the first place. So now they're stuck with this, well, what am I going to do? What am I? And and I'm going to tell you, boredom will get people in trouble. Anybody want to speak on boredom a little bit?
3: Oh, boredom. Oh, my goodness. I was always... um this coronavirus is just like being on re- restriction. I was on restriction almost my whole life. I was I was born in a poor family. It's like nothing, this is nothing to me. Um uh-huh. being being living on a reservation that you can only go to go out until the lights go go on and if you if you're not inside by the time the lights go on, I'm sorry but you're going to be um having a paddle on your butt and um th-
2: you All know right, right.
3: It's, you just gotta keep keep going. Don't don't look don't look at the circumstances, keep moving forward. Just like a runner who's running a sprint. They don't look backwards, they keep going forward.
1: Yeah. I wanna give the listeners some information and it says if you are a loved one and is struggling with substance use or addiction, you can still contact the substance abuse and mental health service administration with this um S-A-M-H-S-A. They have a national hotline number at one eight hundred and I also want to say that therapists like myself, many individuals are, their offices are closed, however, they are providing telehealth services, meaning you can still receive treatment or services from a therapist via telehealth, either Zoom, FaceTime, you know, so help is still out there, and connect with someone. Talk with someone. Let them know how you're feeling so you're not stuck with frozen feelings because that's where individuals will get in trouble. And they also have what you call hope. When individuals are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, they can be prone to relapse. And don't believe a lot of these things that people, especially drug dealers, are telling you. Because drugs are still being laced with fentanyl. You know, people are still trying to, you know, make a money, make some money. And people are trying to hustle any kind of way they can. So don't get hustled. And don't sell your soul by trying to numb yourself. Anybody else want to have something that they want to say in regards to this, in regards to staying sober during this difficult
2: time?
0: Well... I think it's really good and I'm glad that um I decided to text you and stuff and or message you and I really I, I follow God I, I follow and God. Uh, he tells me I get this feeling and, and I saw your name and I was on 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 Facebook and you know, you you put that thing out and and you said that, and I, I was like, I'm gonna go to that. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I, I know I gotta go. I gotta gotta listen to this because it it's like I know it could be something good, you know. And it, it's just you know, like like I'll have rough days, and I'll have days that I don't care about it, you know. Now I'm different. But the thoughts in my head are still there, and it's hard. At least mm-hmm. until I go to the doctor today at, at one thirty or at two o'clock. But yeah, I, you know. Well, I let me know what I your
1: results your results are. But you know, it goes back to like I told you when I responded back in the text, and I said, resist, refuse,
0: and be consistent.
1: Because so you have. If, to
0: resist. Go ahead. now
1: what were you going to say?
0: i was just gonna say how how, like stay away from people the one guy is the guy that i got it from which is weird because i never knew he he used until like a couple probably about two years ago three years ago and i would use a little bit here and there like hardly ever but then I just got into the, the meth and the heroin, you know, and I mean, what's that girl's name? The, the one that says, you know, you, you use anything and everything. I'm the same way. I hate we uh, speed. I don't like it. I don't know why. I just, I want meth, you know, and, but if that's all I can get, I'm going to use it, you know, and it's, it's bad you know, it's really bad for me to have those thoughts or other people, you know, and it's just like, it's hard. It it really is. And I've got like, almost, I probably got four, four or five days clean. But I think about that baby and you know, it's it's easier for me to say no, screw you, get away from me. And I'm glad that while I'm locked out, and I'm glad because I only have a half a body anyways. You know, because of the stroke I had. So, you know, I, I I I put the other guy to the. But what about if, like my brother? Okay, he doesn't come around unless like I want to see him. Not just for that or anything. But to talk to him. It's one of my my close brothers. And him and his girlfriend use, what do I do about that? Just be strong I, and pray to you God? Have, you have to stay away
1: from individuals. Sometimes you have
0: to love people
1: from a distance. And you have to let your all brother right. know, I love you, but I don't love what you're doing. And you cannot let them influence you. You know, people ask me all the time, Jeanette, how is it that you could grow up in Compton and you guys know I, I don't do drugs or alcohol. I, I don't because I I I learned I tell people I used to I used to grace with the crack I used to torture folks. I used to pour people's alcohol out. You know, my mother was an alcoholic, and, oh, I used to love waiting to see her drink, drink her some Tangerine with lime
2: juice. <laughs> she got his lime
1: juice and water. And I'd be sitting back there, thank God they didn't have cell phones then. I would have been recording the face that she had when she would drink it, you know. And, and I was just, I was really an angry kid and didn't realize I was an angry kid because of the environment that I had grew up in. But I later learned that part of it was I was afraid of being a crackhead, and I ain't never did crack or cocaine in my life, but the people in the neighborhood, they looked total hell up, and it would scare me, so because I was afraid, I would torture them before they would come at me. Now, I've dated men that have done things in their life they probably shouldn't have done at the time. I didn't know they were doing it in the beginning. But I thank God that none of them ever said, hey, Jeanette, try this, or hey, Jeanette, let's get drunk, or hey, Jeanette, you know, and I learned, and they've told me, we had, or I had way too much respect for you, and I appreciate that, and I'm not saying that people that have done drugs or alcohol is bad, it's just, that's never been my thing. I tell people, first of all, I'm, I already had anger issues. If I would get drunk, I probably would beat the hell out somebody. You know, I can, you guys know, I could have my little tweaker pals anywhere, so I don't need methamphetamine. <laughs> I'm in need needle to go to sleep at any time, so I did not need no heroin. And I eat to smoke weed. If I smoke weed, I probably would weigh 400 pounds. So, drugs. Never been my thing, and I know some of you ladies, especially that was in my program, was like, "How is she gonna to talk to us about drugs?" And she never did drugs. Um, Michelle, what was your thought on that? Because I've never lied and said that I was a recovering drug addict, even when I did my classes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never known that. got so I'm laughing because of what you what you're saying is actually not funny, but you know what I mean. I mean, you uh-huh. know what what I think is. I can see that side of you, you know, mm-hmm. being angry, you angry, your mom angry and stuff like that. And sometimes I wish I was that person too, because maybe I wouldn't become <laughs> an addict, you know, but mm-hmm. I have things going on in the house and not with my mom, but with my, my, one of my oldest brothers, Mark, the pie bowler one. And I don't really know. All I All I know is I wanted to be different. In the second grade, and I and I didn't look at the whole story because I was young then. I wanted mm-hmm. to be different. I did. I, I couldn't. It could be Mark. I don't know. You know. I, I I remember all the fun things I had with my mom. I remember being with my dad. Nothing. Nothing there. So I'm guessing I, I probably blocked it. And you know, I loved Mark. I really, really did. And. I mean, I still do, but you went back to um, New Mexico, and he got into alcohol, drugs, well, but mess, this is, and it scares me. But this is the thing,
1: though, Michelle. It doesn't stop him from being your brother. It don't. But by that same token, hurt people will hurt other people. And if somebody, I, I mean, I remember one time I had a, my next door neighbor. I think I was turning forty, something like that. And it was my birthday. And he was like, Hey, Jeanette, it's your birthday. I was like, Yeah. He was like, Um, you you wanna no? He asked me if I wanted to go do something. And then he he broke out and said, You wanna get high? I looked at him. I said, If I ain't did drugs in all these years, what the hell am I to till I get in my forties and do some drugs? And right? about <laughs> a couple of months after that. He came to me, and he had been hospitalized because he had a heart attack. And he had a good job. He was making good money, but was a freaking crackhead. And he would get angry because he thought I was trying to judge him. It wasn't that. He had a bad habit.
4: Habit, And he would know how
1: to... That habit, and even I don't I don't know I, now if he get clean. I mean, sober or not. I mean, I don't know if he's now still sober. I don't know because my stepfather passed away, so I don't get to see his siblings anymore. But a lot of his siblings use drugs, and sometimes you'll find a lot of family members like that. I have a lot of people in my family that either use drugs, sold drugs, did you know? But that's just never been appealing to me. Now, one of the things with being sober is you have to have a goal. And your goal of recovery is learning to live a sober lifestyle. And you have to gain control over your life and your choices. Theo, what about that? Mm I think
2: you
4: said a mouthful because... It is. You have to gain control of your life, and it's based yeah. around your choices. That's why I think cognitive behavior therapy helped me a lot because it, when I first saw when I when I was able to perceive that my thinking was what shaped my 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 vision. You know, if I thought something was going on, I could look and see exactly what I thought. So until I could wrap my brain around the fact that my thinking was twisted. I wasn't. I wasn't ever going to change. I had to see that. I saw the world through. a You're going to hurt me. Glasses, and until I took those glasses on and started to look, until I took those glasses off and started to look in the mirror and see myself for what I was, and that my thinking was corrupting my vision, then I would have never changed. You know, it, it had a lot to do with my own thinking, and once I realized that. I thought, wow, my thinking is just really jacked up, but I had to be able to accept that. And it took, like, it took past the death of my mom, it took me nearly dying. I mean, sitting there on the bed arguing with myself, one hand in front of the hand holding the drink, and me cussing at myself saying, I just need one to feel better. But never once in my head did the thought enter that I don't drink on Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. Why is it so important that I drink on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? I couldn't see that. All I could see, but I could see in the middle of that left hand and that right hand, I could see me stuck and helpless. And so with the cognitive behavior therapy, the near-death experience, I was able to see that my thinking had corrupted me. And until I could change my thinking, wasn't nothing going to change for me.
1: Mhm. Wow, mm-hmm. Michelle, were you about
0: to say something in regards to that? Um, yeah, I was trying to remember what I was going to say. Oh. we were talking about in regards oh, oh, okay. to be safe. Okay. What I have to say is, when we're all down on on the thing because of the virus. Would do you have a class on any day um, that I can help one of go to? the they're
1: doing. One of the things that they're doing is they are trying to make people stay at home. To stop the uh, stop the spread of the virus. So what I'm doing is I'm going to be seeing most of my clients either via Zoom or FaceTime because my classes are are, my groups are not more than ten. So I didn't have that problem. But I know a lot of individuals are hypersensitive, and I want to respect them in regards to that. So I'm trying to set up some things either um, through virtual reality or some Zoom is what I'm going to do. And I gotta work on that. So, and Thea, you know me and computers, we just don't get along. So I'm gonna have to call Miss Amy and be like, "Hey, help um, set this up." So, you know, because the thing is, people need some place to go. People need an outlet and, you know, because some individuals are going stir-crazy in their home. And like I share with probation, one of the things that I'm emphasizing is social distancing, but I don't want someone to have been affected or don't know that they're affected and come in and then, you know, we got a big old mess going on and then you got to um, sanitize things. So it is really yes. best that people stay at home, but you still need to be able okay. to connect with someone. So I am making myself available either via phone or through telehealth for those that are reaching out because my phone's been blowing off the hook trying with individuals still trying to make appointments because they they need somebody to talk to. They need somebody to connect oh. with. Some therapists okay. may not be working at all, but I don't want to get infected, though. Yes, what were you going to say, Michelle? Yeah,
0: neither do I. Neither do I. But um, if I'm not pregnant, it was a wake-up call because – it's a dangerous. Both things are actually dangerous, but you know, um, I I think I needed. Uh, the only person I would go to is is you, because you know my whole history and everything. and I right know I was doing that when I was I was like three months pregnant. And I, I can that I'm just to glad so to know that you
1: trust me enough to even connect with me. And, you know, I've been knowing you for way over 10 years, way. Cause, I, I mean, I, I was the Center for the Treatment of Addiction back in, what, 2005? So that was 15 years ago. And um, yeah. you was probably one of my first go-around of clients way back. No, because I moved in the lake Beach area in 2006. So I think I met you around what 2007, 8, something like that. So it's been yeah. a while. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I am honored that you even trust me enough to even still connect with me. And that's why I do what I do. Some individuals think people do it for money. I don't do this for money. And when I tell individuals, well, I had a person, person tell me, me the other day well, people only go to these programs because they court ordered or because they have to. And when I tell individuals that people still connect with me even after they finish a program, whether they pass yes, or I fail, can. they still connect <laughs> with me. It's just like, Nancy, I've been knowing Nancy for years. I remember when someone brought her to me, like, please help her, you know, please. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, I am really proud. I was talking to another young lady the other day. I, She um, sent me a message, and I told her, I am proud of you. And she was like, that means a lot to me because I am really proud of you guys. And even for trusting me after all these years, and I mean, and you know, I never wavered. I'm still the same person I was, and like I tell individuals, where do you, where can you go, and you get to even meet the owner of the company, not just a worker. I remember a person told me, Jeanette, we come because you care, and I didn't realize that. I'm like, okay, I never said I wanted to be a, a a drug and alcohol counselor, you know, and I had reached yeah. out to this particular guy. I guess he was busy because. I had um, got a contact from Rodney Allen Ripley, so I know I contacted him at the last minute, so I was waiting on him to call in, but I guess he's busy, because he had even connected with me and wanted, you know, because he's doing a work in the, in educating individuals about becoming drug and alcohol counselors. So I thought maybe this because of the school being closed that he would be able to call in, chime in, or you know, say something in regards to this. I want to Blow them up and call them, but you know, even because there are some individuals that want to go into this field and want to help individuals. So there's a lot. And going you know on. what?
0: You know what? The one of the big things that I can remember when I probably first came to, into your class, okay? Um, I was on. I went from three months to six because of my use, and then. After that, I didn't call you for like six months, <laughs> and you said I can come back,
2: and I was <laughs> like,
0: okay. <laughs> I said whatever. I think I it was on Thursdays too. <laughs> I come mm. on on Thursday, and then I, I you know, I, I I think that's that's it caught my eye.
2: You know, it caught <laughs> my
0: eye. I knew I could trust you for one because you never called my PO or anyone and told them anything or if you did whatever I mean it, uh, the fact is if I came back and you said to come back that was all well you can do I was true, but
1: I was fair I'm very firm but I'm very fair and I do my best to try
0: to help people so you that's know basically- you know is there any possible way that if I, because I'm gonna start my exercise, because uh, what's her name started using your she's about changing in your head and your thinking about doing my exercises and stuff because I've gotten really weak and I got Alyssa daily, um, because Bill's, you know, he, he's a jerk or whatever, but um, yeah. and and when he's he's off, I give her to him and whatnot, and I I make sure that she stays home and whatnot. Um, Is there any, like, possible way that I can like work for you or anything like that? Or do what you do? Because I would love to get in and start helping people and getting out of what she Mm -hmm. said about changing my head. And I I really want... I miss working and I miss my car now that I Mm -hmm. don't have it, but... You know, I miss all that. See, that's why
1: I wish Rodney would have called in because he, what he does, he's at Intercoast, I think it's Intercoast College, and with him being at Intercoast College, he would know more about what the schooling part is when it comes to educating individuals about drugs and alcohol. Thea, can you share some of the things that you've experienced? I'm going to see if I can reach this man. But um, And then I'll, I'll well, see if he can call and share some of the things that Intercoast is doing. But then can you tell them some of the things that you in the program you are doing at um, Palomar?
4: Okay, well, first, I was um, sober when I started the program. I had um, I had completed six months in an outpatient program and then decided that it would be something I could get into. I had to prove to myself first that I could stay sober or how could I convince somebody else that they could. So after, you know, it was kind of like my counselor in the outpatient program did me a favor because I was trying to stretch it out. I needed the structure and uh, um, accountability. So I was trying to stretch out my program. And one day he came into my group and he said, I need to see you after group. And I went to go. He said, "I'm, I'm discharging you." I was like, "That's okay. I've been kicked out of better places." But he gave me the he gave me the push I needed because that my that was in December, and the next semester was starting in January. So I was like um, seven months sober when I started the AODS program. And now it's been a year and a couple months. So I'm doing the um, abnormal psychology now and the sociology. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot more about myself. I um, for me, it started with me showing myself that I could stay sober, which was why I had put myself in rehab after that near death experience, because I still, I knew that I couldn't trust myself not to, not to not drink. And so I had to put myself in rehab. And once I felt that I could stay sober, I left the rehab and I went straight to an outpatient treatment program and signed up and did six months in outpatient so that I could, so that I could show myself I could stay sober. Because if I can't, if I couldn't convince myself that I could stay sober, I didn't think I could convince anybody else.
1: And you know what? And yeah. that's where it makes a big difference. And that's why, like I said, I never lied to the clients about my past, and I was able to connect because I feel that you have to connect before you can correct any type of behavior. And individuals will right. go to the yeah. And a lot of times individuals will go into – the field or trying to teach individuals how to live a sober lifestyle based on what worked for them. And what worked for them may not be what other people are going through because sometimes you have to address either their childhood traumas, sometimes individuals are dealing with success, and they're trying to maintain a certain image. You know, some individuals have experienced domestic violence. Okay, i got a caller calling in because he did call in. Give me one second. Hi, this is Jeanette. How are you doing? Number ended in 7-8.
5: Hey, how are you, Genetics? Rodney Allen Rippey.
1: You know what? (laughs) I had to call you personally. It was like, we called in. I had people cracking up when I told people I thought you had a fake name. I was like, That man had a fake name until I got molded, and I had to realize, I was like, oh, that is the real Rodney Allen Ripley. But, you know, uh, one of the callers was talking about um, how to go into this field, and I was seeing how, you know, you have to have more than just a passion. You have to be authentic. You know, there's a lot of different things. Tell the listeners who you are and what you actually do, because this is more of your expertise. That's why I wanted you to share it.
5: Well, I mean, many of you out there and and listening in radio land, you might remember me um, from my Jack in the Box commercials. I got started in the entertainment industry back in the seventies. And I, I worked with the biggest stars that you could ever imagine from Johnny Carson to Mel Brooks to Sammy Davis Jr. And George Burns. And so over the years, I, I I was very lucky. I started out with the Jack in the Box commercial and it was just my first audition and I landed the biggest commercial campaign of my life. And I went on to do movies and TV shows throughout the seventies and eighties and nineties. And, and so after um, I, I got older, you know, it was time to go to college. And so I went into, I got my degree in marketing and advertising at, Cal State Dominguez Hills here in Southern California and over time I worked at uh you know broadcast companies like ABC News in Los Angeles, Westwood One, KFWB, uh KDOC TV and over time when you're working you're constantly networking, you're constantly uh engaging people and making contacts and Literally, I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking. I have probably six or 7,000 contacts right here in my, you know, in my computer, and it's people, Uh-oh. prominent people. These are prominent people who are, you know, who are in local politics and things like that. And over time, I got involved in vocational education. When you look at high schools all across the nation, High school students do not have a chance because they have taken away vocational education. 55% 55 of all kids, high school seniors, will not go on to college. So the opportunity for them to be able to have a real, true living wage, they need something. And so I got involved with an organization called Prime Motivation out of San Diego. You can check them out, primemotivation.com. And my colleague Bill Montgomery and I, we were out fighting to keep these vocational programs open. When you go to high schools, they used to have wood shop, metal shop, automotive. Um, They even took home, they took home ec out of schools. And so, to answer your question, yes, they have, they've taken home ec out. And so
0: I know I'm thirty-four and I haven't been to school in years. (laughs) Well, you know what? Well,
5: you can you can. And this is what I would advise you to do. Look into your local junior college and or a vocational school. And I actually through my contacts and working with Prime Motivation, I got involved with a vocational college here in Southern California called Intercoast College. And we have multiple campuses around California. we got three here in Southern California, two up in Northern California. And when I went in... Where
0: where are they at? um, Where are they at?
5: Our our campuses are located in one in Riverside, one in West Covina, one in Santa Ana, and two more up north, Rancho Cordova and Fairfield. Now, when I started working with Intercoast College, I started as as an admissions representative. And you really do have to listen to these people because when people come in, oftentimes they know that they're at a point in their life where they're looking for a change. They're tired of their job. They need better education. A, a, lot, of, a lot of the um, people who walk in, they're from certain careers like they're an electrician, but they're not certified. We certify people in electrical, HVAC alcohol and drug counseling, uh, Intercoast College, actually, we were the pioneers of alcohol and drug counseling certification at the vocational level. We started it. And and so when you go in just as, a, as a, you know, as a kind of a process, if you were to go into uh, being an admissions person, you've got to listen to the person. You've got to find out the yeah. key questions are you a morning student or a night student? What is, your, what is your life like? And if they say, well, I work during the day, boom, they're a night student. If they say they work at night,
0: they're a morning student. <laughs> and,
2: they, I mean,
5: you, just have, you have a checklist, and you just go, and you're, you're very systematic, and then you basically take them through the process, you give them a tour to school, and then we actually had to give them an assessment. They cannot move on to financial aid unless they pass that assessment, which is the entrance test. Ours was a 50-question, 12-minute assessment. Once you get once you get past that, the next step is you move into financial aid. And so, there are programs like FAFSA, you know, where people could go to school, and and we did have federal funding. And a lot of times um, it, it's just it's really a great a great opportunity for people who need to go to school
2: mm-hmm. you not, you and know I will say this,
5: and I will say this, not to mention we had a huge online division, so sometimes a person may say well i'm I'm kind of challenged with transportation. Have you ever taken online classes?" And they say, "Well no, you can also offer them online classes."
0: You know what, um, is there any possible way that you can get uh, my name and number and um, give me, a, like, the one, maybe one, uh, online, and I can do that. I really, I oh, got no, listen, I gotta I get make to get it to really, school.
5: I can make it really easy. All you have to do is go to www.intercoast.edu, I-N-T-E-R, C-O-A-S-T-E-D-U. And, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get you some information, and I'll have one of our admissions representatives get in contact with you. I'll have them send some information over to the show. I can send you one sheets about uh, w- what is offered. And, and it's not a long time. You know, you can go into certain programs. We have programs that are just 40 weeks. And when it's, when it's over, you're ready, to hit, you're ready to hit the street. Oh, and here's and here's another thing. Here one on here's one thing that a lot of people don't know and this is very very important. A lot of people have some really nasty things to say about vocational college. But let me give you a little let me give you a little information. I don't care what four-year institution you go to. UCLA, USC, Harvard, wherever you go, when you get out They're going to give you your diploma. They do not help you get a job. There are people who go to four-year institutions, they rack up $100,000 in tuition, and they get out and they cannot find a job. Here's the difference about vocational schools. Our accreditation that we have held clean for 35 years, part of our accreditation Requirement is that we must point our students, our graduates, towards work. So we actually have a job uh, assistance person right there on the campus. So when our students start, you know, finishing up their their course, they need to talk to our career services department, and he is automatically shooting their resumes out, and we give them preparation for interviews, and our goal is by time you graduate, you are transitioning smooth right into a job.
0: Oh, wow. Wow, I like that. that that.
5: That's the difference between vocational schools and four-year institutions. And and really, and there are people who fight. Yeah, people fight really hard against vocational schools. But let me tell you something. There are certain people who are just good with their hands, and and they just – they just like Amorable. being left
0: alone. <laughs> yeah, they just like being left alone. I'm horrible at it, it but it. I have my stroke, and I'm working on that. And also, mm-hmm. do do they do I do they t- uh, take um a because por- uh, I I never f- finished high school and I don't have my degree. There is a college up the street in um Costa, yeah, mm-hmm. Costa Mesa, but yeah. Okay,
5: well yeah, you, I hear know that to answer yeah to, to answer your question, Intercoast college, we have a diploma program that allows oh. you even if you don't have your your high school diploma now the only thing that you can't do is alcohol and drug counseling. You must go and get your high school diploma before entering okay. and it's just a California state mandate, but like. If you were in electrical or HVAC or cybersecurity, things like that, which we offer cybersecurity, you don't have to have your high school diploma. You can go in, and we had a diploma program that would allow people to enroll into the class of their choice. And when you go to class every day, some of that time is counting towards your missed time, and eventually, within a couple of months, you don't have to even worry about. It. You just earned your your high school equivalency, and you just keep right on trucking because you're in your program. and
0: You just keep right on going. Oh man, that would be great. Yeah, I like that, and I'm very interested in everything that you have said. I I, uh... I, can, I can
5: definitely I can definitely help you if anybody out there listening, and you would like more information, my personal email is Rodney, R-O-D-N-E-Y, dot RIPPY, R-I-P-P-Y, at intercoast, I-N-T-E-R-C-O-A-S-T dot E-D-U. If you shoot me an email and you say, hey, I'm interested in going back to school, I have a couple of questions, I'll have one of our staff who, who's in admissions get in contact with you. We also have open house. I would also like to uh, invite uh, the listeners out there, if someone's thinking about going to school, hey, just come through. Do a walkthrough. Set up an appointment. We got campuses in Santa Ana, West Covina, Riverside, if and people up north, Rancho Cordova and Fairfield. You can walk through the campus, go through, pick up some information, and then you can go home and make a, A sound decision, and you could say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Buckle down, because you know you don't want, you know, 2020 to be a repeat of 2019. If you're not happy on your job, you're not happy. If you don't feel like you've got job security, what will what will level the playing field is when you have a certification. That way, you're needed. You know, when you get a certification in a certain field, you're needed. And if somebody, if you don't like that job, you could take your certification and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's now you know Rodney. I had you come in later on in the show. We went over our time, mm-hmm. but I want to. I have a question for you because the show's go, topic was staying sober during difficult times. What is some of the advice that you would like to give some of the listeners in regards to, even though you do um, have people go through the school to learn how to become drug and alcohol counselors, what would be some of your advice tips you would like to tell individuals that are dealing with what they're going through, being at home, being quarantined, how, how can they maintain their sober sobriety, especially if they're in recovery?
5: I have to tell you, keep yourself busy. Let me tell you, I, hate, I don't mean to be funny we're all at home. Everybody's at home. Take advantage of the time. Look at some of those boxes. Go through some of those papers. Clean up. Do a certain project. Say to yourself, I'm going to accomplish one positive thing for myself today. And say, okay, hmm, I'm going to organize my closet. I'm tired of everything being all crazy. I'm going to organize my closet. Guess what? By the end of the day, You've accomplished something, and you have to always tell yourself, I love me. I'm not going to sit here, because let me tell you something, alcohol, drugs, they don't care nothing about you. I'm going to give a, you know, people get stressed out, and they sit there and start smoking and smoking and smoking and smoking. Guess what? Saddened. I'm going to be very, very blunt with you. If you get sick, see if any of these cigarette companies are going to, send any money to you to help you out. If you come down with some terrible disease because of smoking cigarettes or something like that, they've already put a warning on the packet. Hey, if you smoke me, I'm going to kill you. I'm just telling you that. And so people continue to smoke. Alcohol and things like that, hey, if you're going to do anything, you have to do it in moderation. But as as far as drugs and things like that, we as human beings – we're nothing more than flesh and bones. And when you start injecting drugs into that, that messes up the whole system, the receptors, things aren't communicating, your cells aren't communicating, you're on a way to nowhere. So the best thing to do is when you have this time, think about yourself, love yourself. Hey, pick up a time. Here's another thing. Let's get back to old school. Write a letter to somebody.
2: Write a letter,
5: get on your computer, communicate with an old friend, and start looking at, look at yourself in the mirror and say, what can I do during this downturn to make myself better? And here's one other piece of advice. You don't know what's getting ready to happen. No one knows. There are, my friend works for the L.A. Unified School District. He said, hey, man, I'm going to be off for a couple of weeks. Well, guess what? The LA Unified School District just now announced schools are closed to May 1st. Uh-huh. So you know, when you start thinking about do you have time to sit around drinking? No, now is the time to start thinking, like, hmm, my job may not come back. I may not have a job in a couple of months. How am I going to pay my bills? Start planning now. I tell everybody Start cutting the fat. Start saying uh-huh. to yourself, okay, okay, I have cable. Huh, my cable's $250 a month. Maybe I'll cut back just the basic, you know? And then you start thinking about what can I do without? Hey, start having coffee at home. Don't go to Starbucks. I mean, I love Starbucks and all the rest mm-hmm. of the coffee.
2: Coffee <laughs> Fire up their
0: coffee they,
2: they serve great coffee there. Hey, <laughs> you know, it's you're yeah, it
0: because
1: I've been cooking breakfast, <laughs> lunch, yeah. dinner.
3: I'm
1: like, oh, good
5: Lord. Now is the time to get back to communicating with your family, sitting down, spending quality time. And you know what? Just there you, go. you know, pray to God that you stay healthy because this, I'm telling you, this yes. coronavirus, yeah is a very serious thing. Don't take it lightly. Do not think some people go, "Ah, it ain't no big deal." Yes it is because there are too many people getting sick. So me personally, I'm being very cautious. If I go out, literally I have okay. a Ziploc I have a Ziploc bag <laughs> with paper towels in it, soaked with alcohol. When I get back in my car, I'm wiping my
0: hands clean.
5: And throw them in another plastic bag, and I'm telling you, man, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to take care of myself, and and I want everybody out there to do the same. You know, just be safe and be smart, and you know, listen to some good music. Hey, go! I was playing music the other night, and boy, I I just had a I had a good time catching up on old music and just having a good time staying in and staying safe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Rodney, I want to thank you for be, joining I'm us, and next time, because I sent you the information, I know I waited at the last minute, but I want to thank you for joining us, and thank you listeners that are here listening to us at Pressure Predicaments, Blog Talk Radio, and tomorrow we're going to be talking about get your mind right, because a lot of individuals seem like they're just losing their mind out here. So we're going to be talking about that as on Tuesday is when we do the show From the Pulpit to the Couch at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. So until tomorrow or until next week, remember, stay safe, stay blessed, and remember, God's in control, and you got this. Talk to you later. Thank you guys for joining me today. Appreciate you. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.